And welcome to the BSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast on Thursday, May the 25th, as we head up to another bank holiday. God, it's another one in May. God, is any work getting done? Um, Bill, how are you doing? You looking forward to the weekend? Yeah, hey, I've been doing some work, Andrew. You'll be pleased to know. And uh, yes, I'm very much looking forward to a very, yeah, sunny weekend. It was superb. So I'll be getting my golf clubs out. Uh, I will be doing that too because I'm actually getting trained down to Cornwall uh, in a couple of hours and we'll be playing down there. Anyway, look, um, actually it would be good just to get away from this crazy world. It was funny, I was playing golf last Friday um, with a group of fund managers from Schroders and uh, one of the discussions is just where the hell has it all gone wrong? Why is it, you know, the UK is in such a bloody awful mess? And I was actually saying to them, it's not just the UK, it's the whole of the West. I mean, you know, part of the problem with the West is we have this thing called democracy, which of course is absolutely correct, but it's very short termism. Um, and the other problem is, you know, it's physics. Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And of course, what we've done over the last 40 years, basically, is let the Chinese have all of our wealth. That, that's how they've grown so significantly and become such a wealthy nation is because we've, to a certain extent, given it to them all because we just wanted, we gave them all the jobs because we wanted everything cheap. And, you know, I'll tell you what, running a government, it's simple. You've got to balance the books, Phil. You've got to have as much money coming in through tax as you're paying it out. And the problem this government and most Western governments have got is there's not enough money coming in to pay out what we want to pay. And that's why our GDP spending used to be at 7% on defence. Now it's below two. It's why the NHS is creaking. It's why we don't have policemen running around the streets looking after things and solving problems because we can't afford it. We can't afford it because there's not enough tax coming in. One reason not enough tax coming in is we have too many people, like over two million on disability payments and everything. We have it's like one third of the population of science is claiming benefits. This is ludicrous. The way to solve it is to create more jobs. We've got to have more jobs. The way to get more jobs, of course, is to incentivize through tax incentives people to put money into businesses, to grow their businesses. Pretty simple. Now, the good news is we did see, for instance, JLR have just decided they're going to build their EV plant in the UK, not in Spain. Uh, that means there's going to be demand for batteries, which means hopefully we can get some battery plants going. Hopefully we can get some lithium hydroxide plant going through Alchemy and Tees, Tees Valley. All of these things we discuss, that's what we've got to do. We've got to get these businesses and create jobs and it'll help everything out. And we've basically got to take back what we've given to China over the last 40 years. There's my, oh, and on top of that, you know, we've obviously, everyone's talking about inflation, so we won't talk about that. We've just seen that Germany is going into recession uh, today. We've talked a lot about on this podcast, how Germany was just too reliant upon Russia and China. Uh, so all of these things, it's all just starting to come to play. But actually, the one bit before we get on to, you know, whilst I'm sort of ranting a little bit, did you see that move in NVIDIA last night after the hours the market closed? Up 30 percent uh, as they actually talked about the fact that their AI chips are demand is going through the roof and they raised expectations significantly. Uh, again, another thing we talk about a lot uh, on this podcast is AI and robotics and automation, how important it is, how you need to get money into that space. We are going through the fourth industrial revolution with transitional energy and artificial intelligence and robotics. And that's actually how the whole world will move forward to another higher plane. Whenever you have an industrial revolution, 
life gets better for everybody. Um, but AI is important. And actually, I'll just kick off a little bit. We had a results this week from Superseed. Superseed is very focused into AI and SaaS. Sadly, it is a tiny, tiny little company because we weren't able to raise the money we want. And it is also underperform when it shouldn't because the business is outperforming. It's just a case of the market getting it wrong. I'm actually thinking, I already own some personally. I'm actually thinking you buy more personally uh, because it is actually the wrong price. Sorry, do you disagree with any of that, Phil, or have you fallen asleep? I'm, I'm very much here, <laughs> very much awake, and very much listening. I, and I would, something outside adding about the, um, yeah, I mean, and the video results were astonishing. Uh, and uh, people familiar with computer gaming know NVIDIA for years, but it's all about you know, computer games, you need parallel processing. They're, they're, you know, ideally suited for AI applications. But the JLR, the Gigafactory thing is so important because big multinational companies train up hundreds of people and they give them the skills that very often they go on to you know develop their own businesses you you feed a whole infrastructure of tra you know trained people and capability and expertise that comes out of these multinationals and that's why that is so important to getting getting investment into that but uh, andrew i do not uh, disagree with you uh, particularly on the you know the the need for cheap consumer technologies and of course china China's manufacturing uh, and economy benefited massively from that because we wanted them and couldn't make them here. But uh, some big, big shifts going on. It's very, it is actually very exciting despite the problems. Uh, it is exciting. There's a lot of really exciting things going on. It's just such a shame that they would get any deals done in this market because such a lack of liquidity. Because there's so many exciting things. But we'll, I think we'll come on to some deal stuff. There's actually funny enough. There's I mentioned Supersea that I already own and thinking buying some more. There's quite a lot of companies that I own personally have, have been reporting this week and one of the big ones which i always say i'm not quite sure why i still own it should i be selling it and i never do and it carries on performing carries on paying me a good dividend is is sse who yet again had some stunning results didn't they phil <laughs> yeah they did um yeah what was it 4100 quoted andrew but the, this is uh yeah sse the operations at electricity networks wind farms hydroelectric plants gas fired power plants um, and yeah, they had their full year results and benefited from the gas pricing and uh, you know gas gas storage as well as uh, as, as generation. Uh, but their profits, blimey, I mean the profits were by sixty five percent to two and a half billion. Uh, but what it's allowing them to do is to invest very heavily in capital expenditure for renewables, um, and they announced their plans on that. Yeah, you know, I think, unfortunately, I'm going to probably end up owning this stock for, for many years to come because I just can't face selling it. Um, but, you know, I think it's it's a classic stock. I mean, we've often said that someone like a Shell should take it over because it, it's under it's deep value. It's got a good income. It's hugely profitable. It's transitional energy because it's all to do with wind power and that sort of thing. Uh, they, they do need to sort themselves out on uh, long duration energy storage because SWB, solar wind batteries, you need that. Um, and we probably know the solution of what they should be doing there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think actually it's one you just buy and you forget about and tuck it away. And I mean, look, I've been very lucky. I've had the chart looks fantastic and I've had some very good performance out of it. So I'm not grumbling at all. Well done, SSE. Thank you. Um, whilst in that sort of space, I just mentioned uh, long duration energy storage couple of ones briefly worth mentioning today, which I'll pick up um, on IES, the Infinity Energy Systems this morning did announce a small deal, 0.9 uh, 
uh, megawatt hours to a US company. I mean, to be honest with you, a few years ago, we'd have got very excited about that order. We actually even put it out on an RNS reach um, because nowadays we need something at least 10 megawatt hours. We're even going to get at all excited, really. Um, I think the, 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 I mean, this company has got a momentum now. Um, it, it's got a, it, it just needs people to understand really how big it can become. And then I think it'll lift off. I do own them, so I'll admit to that. But I also noticed this morning there was an announcement out for a, a company which, which we haven't talked about for a long time because when they IPO'd, probably I was rather negative about it. Um, a company called Gellion. Did you uh, spot that this morning uh, at all? Yes. Sir. No reason if you shouldn't. I, I tend to. Look no, at no, well, I did because they acquired patents off uh, Johnson Matthey. That's right. Yeah. For anode technology development in batteries, and it was a suite of uh, over 80 patents, I think, that were acquired. Uh, and then didn't they announce today that they were divesting some of those patents as well? Uh, well, actually, they're sort of saying like good progress on the way they've got it, and it's brought yeah. them lots of really useful information. Uh, they have agreed to sell a subset of patents. That's right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, uh, what are they going to get for that? Uh, $1.5 million to £1 1.2 million. Pounds. Um, look, I mean, the reason, one of the reasons why we were um, on IPO, the IPO at about 150, I think, which leapt almost at three quid on day one, sort of thing. They're now down at 35p or something. Um, so we were very right to be cautious. But we know that, first of all, building a new battery costs hundreds of millions of pounds, unfortunately, we know through experience. Um, lithium sulfur batteries, we also know quite a lot about them. Um, and they are, they're interesting batteries. The technology is interesting, but it's yet to be proved that you can get anything that is commercial. We were very involved with Oxus in the UK who were developing a lithium, arm, a lithium sulfur battery, unfortunately went um, into administration. I'm not saying the Gellion will, but they certainly will need an awful lot more money. But it's interesting, obviously, they had, they did buy this portfolio off Johnson Matty, and of course Johnson Matty gave up with their own battery because it was just costing too much money. A uh, bit of a management change. A lot of brokers have turned negative on Johnson Matty. I disagree. I actually think it's looking really interesting now because they're actually starting to really sort themselves out. And they had um, figures today, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. If you want to cover those, Andrew? I mean, it gets us nicely yeah. onto an automotive, actually. Yeah, so, go on uh, then. <laughs> not I, I led you in there beautifully. I thought, <laughs> I thought it was a sort of fantastic sort of intro into Phil talking about Johnson Matthew figures today. It is a FTSE 100 company. I set you up beautifully. Just get on with it. <laughs> I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I did go through them this morning. Um, there's quite. I tell you what. There's quite a lot in there regarding palladium prices because they are they are using palladium for catalysts for air cleaning systems, primarily in automotive. Um, automotive catalytic converters. I think Andrew, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. They, but they'd seen an impact on palladium pricing in the business, and I think, am I correct? Was that turnover down, the profits down? Uh, look, I think they sort of come to there's a lot of um, yeah, there's uh, parts in this. Like volatility, should we say, yeah. in the whole metal space, and obviously Johnson mm. Massey do do come from a a metals background, but they are turning themselves into this sort of new energy transitional energy company. Um, and I'll tell you what, even if they've got you know volatility, they are throwing off cash like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're investing heavily in hydrogen as well, aren't they? 
uh, fuel, cell, fuel cell membranes. Uh, they've got a plant in the UK they've invested in uh, developing fuel cell membranes, but also hydrogen. I think they're involved in electrolyzer technologies as well. So that yeah, they're they're moving money into that and see real growth in the hydrogen uh, space for the future. Small part of the business at the moment, but a, but a, a growing part, I think. Anyway, all, all the big banks are downgrading on it and, and don't seem to like it. I think they're all completely wrong. They normally are. Uh, and I think that it's a, a very valuable UK business with a fantastic history and in all the right yeah. places. Yeah. Uh, nothing goes up in a straight line. Sometimes companies have a little bit of a wobble, but it doesn't mean to say they're worth less. Um, you mentioned a couple of well, just actually on batteries. Yeah. Um, we, there's one more battery actually had uh, an update this week, which was uh, Ilica. Did you pick that one up? Not a problem if you didn't, by the way. Um, Go on. I, I, we covered this a couple of weeks ago because they won some uh, new business in the uh, medical space, I think. Or uh, was it to do with uh, small batteries for smart glasses, something like that? Anyway, carry on, Andrew. What have they said? Yeah, they do. No, they yeah. had, uh, I think it was, was it figures or, um, I can't remember it was figures or a trading statement. Mm -hmm. um, but they did. Um, out with an announcement. God, that was a terrible bit of. Um, uh, I'm, I'm quickly <laughs> scrolling through my emails actually to find out what the bloody hell they did. So I, I just know they did. So I was hoping you would actually have looked at it. I've really set myself up here bad, didn't I? It was a yes. trading update, all right. Um, uh, for the year, there are uh, April year end. So they gave a trading. They said everything was in line with expectations, uh, and they're going to announce revenues of approximately eight hundred thousand pounds and an EBITDA loss. Of about seven million pounds. Look, I like Ilica. I like the guys. It's, it's they've got huge ambitions. They really do need to take off. Uh, and this goes back to the cost of developing a, a new battery. Solid state is clearly the future, um, but it's it's tough. Um, then moving also on to, um, but but it's tough. But I, I think the company is a very interesting company. We haven't seen them for a long time. They rather went off with all the big players. Uh, hoping to be a big company um, didn't quite work out that way. Maybe they should have stuck talking with people like us. Uh, but anyway, you mentioned Johnson Massey and hydrogen. Uh, we actually had a bit of something good happened again with one of our clients, um, which I also own actually, which is Pressure Technology. At last, they got their audit done uh, and have resumed trading again. And they came out with uh, they came out with final figures. Um, and actually, the business is, I think, going much better than the figures suggest. I think they're being deliberately cautious. But we can't really sort of take them out on a roadshow yet because the, the audited figures have been delayed so long. We're now in closed period for the interims. <laughs> it is madness. I don't know if you've got any comment on pressure technology, though, Phil. No, not really, Andrew, at the moment. I think we just need to, we're just in that kind of delicate period regarding results and, and reporting. I mean, I guess my, my one thing, I mean, it is, we're talking about companies with longevity and you mentioned Johnson Matthew has been around for many years, which means it's been through a number of economic cycles, a number of changes in customers, what customers want and product demand. And it's there and it's survived. Uh, pressure Technologies, the, uh, the underlying businesses, Chesterfield uh, Special Cylinders, Chesterfield Cylinders have been around for like, over 100 years. You know, it's a, it's a lot. It's been around for a long, long time. Um, and it's it's something that's used in you know primarily it's in submarines now is the main is the core bit of the business. So, um, but I'm sure we'll be hearing 
more about that in due course just yeah no, i think it's a, it's yeah. look it's a very small company um yeah, exactly. but i think it's a very valuable company it's in all the right places i think chris walters is a very good ceo he inherited quite a tough job there he's slowly sorting it out um that's why i own it uh, and so client about right so um swifting on to andrew did you see downlays group uh, trading updates so this is downlays group is actually it's GKN Automotive is the core business under there. And Dowlays was a spin out from Melrose because Melrose originally acquired uh, GKN as a group, restructured it, um, split it out, the aerospace and automotive business. And this is the automotive side of that business, now called Dowlays Group. Um, and they had a trading update four months uh, to 30th of April. And what do they do? Uh, they supply drive systems into vehicles, and GKN Automotive has been around, get this, uh, 250 years in various guises. Biggest, one of the biggest suppliers of drive shafts in the world, but also um, electric drives for EVs. Uh, so this is in terms of you know, the electric motors, inverters, uh, software controls, um, and they have supplied 2 million EVs globally. Anyway, their trading update, uh, they said they delivered uh, 1.9 billion of revenue, 9% growth of constant currency, uh, which was interesting to see, particularly because it is the automotive space, and we all kind of want to know what consumers are doing in terms of buying cars, buying vehicles. But I thought that was that was pretty good. Uh, strong cash conversion. Just, yeah, yeah, go on. No, no, go on. Yeah, I was going to say that they... They said that they've had a good start to the, the year with Olympus, overall 11% growth led by Europe, and they've been able to increase their margins as well with very healthy demand in, in EV. So, do, you, do you know what? Actually, I can tell you it was formed originally basically as Guestkeen and Nettlefolds, uh, and its origins go back to 1759. You're absolutely right. The start of the Industrial Revolution. Um, and it has been one of those groups, GKN, that has been, you know, through politics and everything, hasn't it? Because it it, uh, it bought Westland Aircraft. Do you remember right, all yeah. of that? Yeah. That was a political, oh, I don't know yeah. what. So, I mean, it's a fantastic, fantastic classic British company, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, 1759. Well spotted, Phil. I like that. Thank you very much. Right. So from, from automotive on to defence. Uh, this is Cohort, CHRC is a ticker, 206 million market cap. They had a trading update um, and Cohort is involved in um, communi yeah, it's communication systems for naval military, sonar systems and water communications. And so, you know, I think they're involved in uh, yes, electronic warfare systems as well. OK, so uh, they had a four year trading update to 30th of April and said, that uh trading expect yeah trading slightly ahead of expectations on higher revenue um would certainly hope so in these markets uh net funds of 15 million and they all importantly the one that yeah it's the order intake i was looking at which was order intake of 218 million uh versus 187 million in the prior uh annual period and they said their orders underpin 184 percent of current market revenue expectations for the year to april 24 so that seems to be going well um, for them um, and just in terms of highlights uh, they have said yeah there's particularly they've seen strong growth uh, in their sensor business particularly sonar and on submarine programs for the Italian uh, Italian Navy so that was good sticking with defense uh, another one we discussed uh, on these podcasts is kinetic 
which I can never remember how to spell, but I should do is Q-I-N-E-T-I-Q, $2.2 billion market cap, they have full-year results. Uh, and this is a very interesting company. That lots and lots of tech in here is defense and security technology, weapon systems, electronic warfare, robotics, Andrew, uh, AI, advanced materials, cybersecurity, communications, uh, deep in tech. Uh, their full year revenue was up from 1.32 billion to 1.58 billion, and their operating profits. Statue results was 124 million up to 173 million. Uh, I think they had other trading update in April already upgrading. Um, funded all the backlog of three uh, billion. So uh, there were some interesting highlights in this was certainly the growth in orders were up by 41 percent. Uh, during the period uh, operating profits up by 40 percent, but they made um, two acquisitions during the year in the US and in Australia. So they're uh, they're integrating those. And I think they've seen particular demand. Yeah, that's it, Avantis in the States, they bought, which is cyber data analytics. You know, they're, they're in all of these areas. Uh, yeah, another company in Australia they acquired, which is in threat detection. So in these areas that are you know, seeing a lot of demand. Uh, and will continue to do so, but good set of results there. Very good. Yeah, and then just quickly on to uh, moving on to tech and conscious of time here. Um, Bytes Technology, this is IT services, so software security, cloud services. Um, you know, big partners with uh, reselling Microsoft and AWS, but they had uh, four year financial results. Uh, and we'll keep a close eye on these things to see what's happening with business spend. Um, they said their revenues were up by 26% and they reported uh, operating profits up by 21% from 42 million to 51 million on revenue of uh, 1.4 billion. Uh, the cash was up by 9%. That's always good to see. EPS up by 23%. So, so uh, you know, pretty good indicator there of what's happening with, uh, with general IT spend. And we're watching out for any slowdown in that because... Um, I don't know, the fin final sort of large one for me is RS Group, um, who have been around for a long, long time. Uh, market cap 3.7 billion, full year to March, and RS are one of our biggest distributors. Um, so they sell electronic components, um, industrial automation control tools. Uh, they have a portfolio of 63,000 products that they sell, obviously into international markets. Um, and they reported revenues up by 70%, operating margins up by 12.5% to 13%, uh, and, but the profit before tax was up by 25% on uh, revenues up 17%. But, you know, what was be, to be picked out in here is what's happening with the sales. So they've seen overall growth, but they said, and I quote, revenue meant to slow during the year. Second half light flight revenue growth of 4% after 16% in the first half. So they said they are tougher comparatives, you know, they had a prior strong period, but seeing a more challenging macroeconomic environment, which has resulted in lower demand. Um, and they're pretty strong in the kind of industrial space as well. And I think that's where they'd seen some weakening of growth because then they're reporting uh, PMI data being, being lower. And uh, yeah, so not so good from uh, from RS Group. I mean, they've been around for, as I say, for many, many years. 
Um, so this is one to you know continue to watch and let's see what happens as we go through the cycle. All right, I'll tell you what, I'm going to end up with one. Um, it's because, again, I own it. We actually act for it. Um, I do own a lot of the stocks that we act for, but that's why we take them on, because I actually believe in them. Um, and we've talked a few times about Aquis PLC, because it's basically a tech stock, because basically, if you look at it, although it's a trading platform and it owns the Aquis Stock Exchange, um, but it's it's tech driven. That's the whole key to this. But what I noticed um, yesterday was that the Chicago Board Options Exchange, known as the CBOE, uh, owned by the Chicago Board of Trade, which is probably the one that people all sort of heard with. This is a, a US monster, all right? It's mainly in uh, it, its options and, and uh, traded options, that sort of thing. It also runs indices like the VIX index, um, but it, it has a big trading platform across the whole of Europe, a bit in the same way that uh, Euronext does. And of course, Aquis does. It has a trading platform that covers about uh, 5% of all the trade across the whole of, uh, whole of Europe. Um, now, what is interesting is that yesterday um, they announced that they are getting ready to come into Europe to start grabbing market share, as they put it, in stock market listings. Um, well, that's the model that Aquis have been doing now for some time. That's why they bought the Aquis stock exchange to be able to do primary listings. Um, it's a great concept. Of course, you, there are only a limited number of licenses available in each country that you can actually use. And in the UK, the London Stock Exchange owns four of them. And the only other free one is the Aquis Stock Exchange. Therefore, if they want to come do that in the UK, they're going to have a little choice, but probably to pay an enormous price, like £20 for Aquis PLC. I'm not saying I'm their advisor. I'm not saying they are going to be bid for. But I think there's two points here that these exchanges are very valuable. Uh, and the second point really is just that they talk about it. If you read the whole thing of what they're saying is they are looking at the ability and what they want to be able to do is to actually offer a global exchange. Uh, and this is what actually I think I'm amazed no one's done it already, Phil. Why is it that we still have problems of, you know, moving stock out of DTC in Canada into Crest in the UK? Why do we have to go on all these different exchanges to access all these companies? Why has nobody using blockchain technology actually put together a genuine 24-hour global stock exchange that can access all of these exchanges around the world and give you one simple blockchain settlement. Because in today's world with the technology we've got, it should be so easy. And I think that people will eventually do that. I think that's what the CBOE is looking to do. And you know what? I think that Acris is a key part of anybody looking at doing this. So uh, just a little bit of a um, yeah, look, I think Acris is a stunningly cheap stock. I own it. We act for it. Um, other people should own it. Other people shouldn't act for it, though. We, that's our job. Um, anyway, we'll finish on that note, right, Phil? Um, quite a lot there to get through. Uh, as usual, if anybody's got any questions, things they want us to talk about, all that sort of stuff, I usually say, God, I will repeat it every bloody week. It's too much like stuff record, isn't it? Uh, enjoy your bank holiday, everybody. It's going to be a fantastic weather. Uh, because it's a bank holiday, we probably will have a shorter podcast next week, um, but we'll be back next week. We certainly will. I look forward to chatting then, Andrew.